Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Gobble, gobble, haters. This is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Thanks for listening to Wonderful. And this is a show that we use as a soapbox. We stand on it to get taller and to shout at you above the crowd, um, like, hey, we like spaghetti. Or like, whatever. Yeah. We're talking about this week. I've never done spaghetti as that's, a segment on the show. I or, think that's what Evita does in that movie, Evita. She stands know? on a soapbox and she goes, I'm uh, here to talk about spaghetti. Spaghetti. To all of you. I'm, I've become obsessed with the mistake of words I just used of I've never done spaghetti. <laughs> it makes it sound like I haven't used spaghetti as a recreational drug. <laughs> um, although I guess it is, right? You put it in your body and it makes you feel things. Um, well, I could explain why spaghetti is drugs yeah. all day if you wanted uh-huh. to give me the runway to do that, but it doesn't seem like you really do. So um, do you have any small wonders? Um, well, this one's a gamble because I haven't actually tested to make sure it turned out the way I wanted it to, oh boy. but, um, the lights on the hood for our stovetop burned out. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take that light bulb out. I'm going to look at it and I'm going to buy some more. Cause you know how like those random lights and appliances yes. like have the kind of bulb that like is, is impossible to find anywhere. Uh huh. So I just thought, like, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to figure it out. And I bought them, and they're waiting downstairs. And I'm really excited about testing Should whether- we pause right now and go <laughs> run down and check this out? Because now I'm going to be on tenterhooks this whole show. Well, we can't go downstairs because our little son is there. That's and right. And we'll if be trapped for the rest of the day. Yes. If he sees you, he will climb on you. He will stay on you. And he yeah. will not ever let go. Yeah. Uh, we love that at certain parts of the day, but not when mommy and daddy have to make the content. Yeah. The people. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm optimistic that I did a uh, a good thing yes. and that these little tiny light bulbs will fill and that it will change your life. The number of times that a light bulb has burnt out on some sort of specialty appliance and I've just looked at it and been like, well, that just doesn't have lights anymore. I know. That is it. That, that object will no longer be illuminated in the traditional way. Yeah. Um, but we live here now and we are going to live here for a long time, I hope. And so I, I applaud your initiative. Thank you. Um, I'm going to say I've been watching this show uh, called Scavengers Rain on Max, formerly HBO Max, it is an animated adult uh animated sci-fi show and i am obsessed with it uh and can't stop thinking about it most finished with it and i started watching it like two and a half days ago or so it's real real good it's uh i've been describing it to people like if studio ghibli made uh, annihilation it's just about people who are marooned on this extremely alien world with this like really intricate alien ecology that they have to kind of like maneuver around. It is like beautifully animated and and wonderfully written, and it is uh, it is just so good, so so good. I do not think you would like it. Even <laughs> I know you said that immediately. Uh, which I mean, describing it, it does sound very good. It is not among my first choices, though. I would say no. It's very uh, I would say gory at times and troubling. Hence the uh, adult animation. But it is um, man, it kicks so much ass, and uh, I'm telling everybody that I can about it. Uh, and this is a show where I can do just that. Uh, do you want to go first? You have to. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not the way we do it. No, 
But I thought I'd. Would you like to? I mean, to keep up with protocol, yes. Okay, cool. You know what a rule follower the boss, I am. The boss is really cracking down on us about protocol these days. Uh, okay, so my thing, this may not be familiar to you. I'm hopeful that I can describe it in a way that it will become familiar. Uh, and it is the going out top. The going out top. Yes. Like when you do good at a sport and then you quit the sport and say like, <laughs> I'm going out top. I'm going out top. I just got a grand slam to win the World uh-huh. Series. I'm I quit. I'm Some going people would say on the top, but not but me. No, I'm so busy playing sports that You're I, in sometimes a hurry. I will just cut words out sentences uh-huh. just to save time for sports. <laughs> uh, I am talking about a phenomenon that was popular when we were younger that has now returned, and it is when you wear just a regular pair of pants, maybe a pair of jeans, as was popular uh, when this was big in the early 2000s, uh, and then kind of like a fancy, like a fancy shiny or like a like a different kind of top. That's interesting. The, I never think about the bottom half of my body when I go out somewhere, really ever, unless it's church, and then it's khakis. <laughs> and if it's not church, then it's usually just jeans or whatever pants I was wearing at the time when I started getting dressed. I wanted to show you some examples just so you would know. I found a great picture of the cast of the OC. Oh my God. It's yeah. And they're all wearing going out tops. Jesus. Can you, those are the smallest pictures I've ever seen. I don't seen know how to love. make them bigger. <laughs> can you zoom it? Can you put your fingers on the touchpad and sort of separate them? Oh, there we go. I need to see these. I need to see these gorgeous tops. Yeah. I mean, those are out of sight. Those are. They're all wearing denim on bottom. Denim on bottom. like a frilly party looking shirt on top. A lot of, let me, number the navels. I cannot. <laughs> I could not hope to number the navels. <laughs> um, this, this was a thing that really came in handy in like high school and college where you didn't have a lot of extra income and you were going to a place that, you know, you couldn't wear your normal clothes but you couldn't wear a formal outfit either. And it was just like, I'm, I'm going to spend $12 on a shirt. Yeah. And then I'm set for the night. Yeah. Uh, and this, I never really thought of it with a name. You know, like when we were, uh, when I was in college, we would go out and do this. And I don't think we had a name for it. But then I heard about this going out top phenomenon and how it's coming back. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah, no, that was the thing. We didn't think about it that way, but that was the thing that we did. What I like about this, uh, there's a lot I like about this, but what I really like about it is that it is the omission of concern for the pants that defines (laughs) this thing. So it's not so much the going out top. It is the all the time bottom, like the... The the off court buddies of the waist yeah, down. Yeah, you know you can't really have a going out top without a regular bottom. That's right, or else you're just dressing. Uh, now it's just clothes. yeah, you're just dressing up. Yeah. Um, part of it too was in the early two thousands, like designer jeans started to be really popular. Yes. I mean, I guess they really started to be popular in the eighties, but like this idea that you would spend like three hundred dollars on jeans and like seventeen dollars on a shirt. I love that. Um, not anything I ever did, but I did. So my going out top, and I don't know that I ever actually wore it because I was too much of a coward, but I had this like black velour spaghetti strap top that just tied in the back. Oh my goodness, babe. And I could never bring myself. To, I don't think I ever actually wore it. I think it sat in my closet forever. Do you forever. still have it? No, honey, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> That'd be a weird vibe, I feel like. People talk about like, oh, yeah, I still have, but that was like 20 years ago. I don't have any, that would be so wild. I don't so think I have wild. any clothes from 20 years ago. I think I, the, the half-life of the shirts I would buy True. W- would, would have reduced them to their base particulate components, I feel like, at this point. Uh, so when you when you research the history of the going out top, uh, is I thought, it all just screenshots of the OC? Is I it? mean, it, it largely like Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan. Yes. I mean, it's it's all the favorites. Um, I showed you a picture that was next to the OC that had Pink, Maya, Christina Aguilera, and Lil Kim all wearing their going out tops. But apparently the origins, according to the Washington Post in 2023, they said that it dates back to the 40s and 50s when ready-to-wear separates entered the market. Ready-to-wear separates. (laughs) Instead of being yoked to the outfit sets, you had the ability to mix and match a skirt with a more formal top. You said this was the 1930s when this idea was? No, 40s and 50s. Okay. A separate. Yeah, no, I mean, that's just wild. The idea of just going to a store and buying, well, hold on, because I like that, actually. I'm saying this, but I would love it if I could just go to a store and it would be like shopping for a Halloween costume (laughs) where they would just be like, here's pants and socks and shoes and hat because it's the 30s and 40s and 50s. Here's hat and pants and shirt and socks and shoes and go, go, that's it. Well, and here's the thing, right? Because when you think about... uh the idea of the going out top, if you're like, how would that even go out of fashion? But the Washington Post article said in 2010s, dresses, jumpsuits, and match sets became more standard. Oh, interesting. So 2010s had a return to what you're talking about. Yeah. The, like, uh, this shirt goes specifically with this skirt. Yeah. But then during COVID shutdown, we were all, like, itching to get back out there looking our fucking best. Well, that – so – that is what's interesting. So like 2020s, it was more like 2017 when I started to see articles that was like, the going out top is back. Um, and then, you know, there was, of course, COVID. And then there was a suggestion that maybe the going out top is popular because people don't want to wear uncomfortable clothes Absolutely. anymore. And so they're like, want to keep their jeans on, but I will say dress the, it up. The velour breastplate that you have described <laughs> does not sound like the most comfortable sort of experience. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I ever actually never wore it wore, out. So we have no <laughs> empirical evidence either supporting or to the contrary. The other thing that, I mean, worked in my favor was there was no social media. Yes. I don't think I have a picture of me in any going out top now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, anybody that went out in the late 2000s probably probably had that absolutely uh so part of the return there is the suggestion that trends come back every 20 years which i mean would make it about right for when (laughs) i was in college yeah but apparently like the the what is it the gen z they're like super interested it's just gins (laughs) now they like gins what they like (laughs) and how do you know friends 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 with young young friends um, well, we, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I would call them friends. We're like Razor Scooter and my fellow Razor Scooter. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> when you have your meetups. And, Me and the other yeah. mall rats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so anyway, so like this whole Y2K period is apparently of great interest. Fuck yes. To the young people. I'm ready. <laughs> 
I've been ready for this my whole life. We went to a like a, a party that was thrown that had a 2003 theme. Yes. And it was really it was really eye-opening because I'd never been to a party that was themed after a particular year before. Yeah. So it was really interesting to go back in that time period uh and and really re-experience a lot of a lot of this. I did not wear a going out top to that party. No. Um but there were a lot of them in attendance. Yes. Um, no, I mean, 2003 was a great year for media. That was a lot of fun to play with at that party. Um, but yes, very disorienting because the last time I had been to a party like that was, I mean, not exactly 2003, maybe closer to 2009 or so, but still uh, a harrowing sort of flashback. Yeah. So I, I still I still kind of think this way. Like if, if you were telling me we were going to a bar tonight – uh, I would. You would say what? <laughs> I would. What are you talking about? <laughs> I would say, Griffin. I don't know when the last time we went to a bar was. Yeah. Uh, but the second thing I would do is I would prepare an outfit, which would probably be very similar to this, yeah. like regular comfortable pants, and then a shirt that suggests, like, I know I'm somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the going out top. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, babe. I love that. I love fashion. I know. And so do you. Yes. We both love it so much. That's a big thing people say about us. We are at the forefront of a bold new fashion movement. And I don't know what it it is. Because we're so at the forefront of it that like we are ahead of what it actually is. Yeah. Defining it. Uh Uh-huh. But whatever it is, is going to be big and lucrative. (laughs) This is the last episode of our podcast. We're getting into fashion lines now yes and the fashion will be something that you wear yes and you will have never worn it before (laughs) join us next week as we discuss going out bottoms this is where you wear the worst shirt you own yeah but the pants (laughs) hey can i steal you away yes okay It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, There's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis website design or website functionality. And you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. 
These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Oh, darling, why won't you accept my love? My dear, even though you are a duke, I could never love you. You, you borrowed a book from me and never returned it. (gasps) Save yourself from this terrible fate by listening to Reading Glasses. We'll help you get those borrowed books back and solve all your other reader problems. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I'm Emily Heller. And I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. We've been doing our podcast for over 10 years. When we started, it was about trying to learn something new every episode. Now it's about us trying to actively get stupider. And it's working. (laughs) Hang out with us and you'll hear us chat about... Gardening. Horses. Various problems with our butts. And all the weird stuff that makes us horny. That's so weird, all that stuff. (laughs) Baby Geniuses, a show for adult idiots. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, we know everything. I do not know if you have much experience with the subject I'm going to discuss. I think you may. I want to talk about point-and-click adventure games. Oh. I know that you played a lot of uh, like PC games with your grandma, who was an early adopter of, of PCs and PC gaming. I know that that was more in the sort of like Wolfenstein area but uh would would like a mist or a monkey island or anything i did along play a little mist i found it impossible everyone uh, felt that way about mist no one no I, one ever beat Mist. i played some tomb raider okay on the computer um yeah doom heretic wolfenstein yeah those are all those are all mad sh- dog shootings. mccree uh mad dog mccree we're getting closer that that one at least yeah. has clicking uh-huh. in it uh, I am talking about uh, a a genre that, much like when I talked about sort of like character-based rhythm games, is not around so much anymore these days. Or if it is, it is like in the, uh, the, the realm of sort of indie games. Uh, but in the 80s and 90s, this was the biggest shit in the whole wide world. Yeah. No, I remember when this idea of you being in constant movement came to video games. Right. And like how nauseating it was to me of just like, oh, I can't play this for very long. Right. Point and click adventure <laughs> games were not that. Point and click adventure games were largely static screens with a little guy on it that you could make walk around and solve puzzles in a very chill way. Uh, and it really wasn't until sort of computer graphics and processing became fast enough that like first person yeah. shooters and action games like Tomb Raider sort of like 
became what everybody wanted that people looked at adventure games and were like, oh, that seems pretty fucking boring. You'd like move your cursor over something to see like, is this interactive? Yes, yes, that is uh, <laughs> yeah. that is a, a beautiful staple of this uh, genre. Um, I I spent so much of my time playing adventure games growing up. We, we always had a computer from the time I was born, basically. Uh, and it was a, a like such a huge genre because when adventure games, point and click adventure games specifically were coming out, like computers couldn't do a lot more intense stuff than just that. Um, obviously, adventure games as a genre is a pretty huge umbrella, starting with text-based adventures like Zork, uh, Zork, of course. I'm looking at you for recognition of Zork, but I I don't remember Zork. Zork. I do remember Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was text based. That was a fucking great one. Yeah. Um, you had uh stuff like uh King's Quest came out, which sort of added visual stuff to it. That was made by a company called Sierra Online, which was one of the two uh big sort of uh, creators of of uh, adventure games in the '80s. Uh, in 1985, a company called ICOM Simulations released a game for the Macintosh computer called Deja Vu, which was the first in a series of Mac Venture games. And the Macintosh computer was a sort of like pioneer in making it so that everybody used a mouse uh, in addition to a keyboard. So these games were just static screens that you would sort of, like you said, just sort of move a cursor around Can't on you, and like- try to add still hear the sound of a mouse in your head like when you'd like move it real fast on the desktop like yeah, i can yeah. hear the that sh- when clonk, i sh- clonk, sh- clonk. <laughs> yeah when there was no way to adjust sort of like sensitivity and so like in order to go you know coast to coast on your small computer yeah. screen it would involve several lifts and drops of a, a two and a half pound piece of computer hardware yes uh, yeah, a lot of that happened uh, play, playing these sort of Mac Venture games. The biggest name in the game was actually LucasArts, which was originally Lucasfilm Games, uh, which joined the scene in 1986. They made an adventure game adaptation of Labyrinth, which I didn't know. Whoa, I, didn't, yeah. I never knew that there was an adaptation of Labyrinth, but no. it was uh, this, this, this studio's sort of uh, first foray. It didn't exactly set the world on fire, which may be why I hadn't heard of it, but their, their second game, LucasArts' uh, second game, was helmed by a programmer named Ron Gilbert, who would go on to sort of become one of the godfathers of, of this whole genre. Uh, and that game was called Maniac Mansion. Maniac Mansion whips ass. It is like a uh, a pastiche of like B-movie tropes and uh, like campy horror stuff. You explored, you, you could control three teens uh, and you would explore this big, uh, just scary house filled with mad scientists and monsters and Scooby Doo. Sort of Scooby Doo like, mm-hmm. yeah, except with death in it. You could die in this game. <laughs> okay. uh, there, there were very high stakes. And it was kind of scary because you would just be like walking around doing the adventure game thing of like, I'm going to click on this, see if this yeah. will pick up. But then sometimes, like, a, you know, uh, mad scientist would chase you around with a knife or something. Yeah. Super scary. This game sort of changed also the way that people would interact with adventure games. Uh, Ron Gilbert created this system called the Script Creation Utility for Maniac Mansion, which would be acronymized into SCUM. Okay. And SCUM would become the engine for pretty much every adventure game that LucasArts would go on to make, and they made a fucking lot of them. And 
most of them are club bangers. Uh, Sam and Max was a big series. I played for that one. Sam and Max is a, is a classic. All the Monkey Island games. Loom, uh, which was this weird sort of like musical, magical fantasy game. Uh, the Dig, Day of the Tentacle, which was sort of a spiritual successor to Maniac Mansion. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. I think they also made a Last Crusade um, game also. They were also adapting Lucas franchises yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. They are all so good and so incredible. And they all use this system, Scum, which basically, you know, you can move around and you click on things to interact with them. But then at the bottom of the screen, you have like 16 verbs. And that's how you know like what you can do. So it'll be like turn on, turn off, pick up, push, kick, open. Um, And so using those, like it created a way of sort of parsing what you are seeing in these games. uh, And it, it made them very enjoyable to play and fun to kind of like experiment with. Um, those games all also had a like a humorous streak a mile wide. Uh, they are sort of irreverent and weird. A lot of the humor is, you know, not the funniest stuff I've ever seen, but it was uh, so charming, especially the Monkey Island games are so weird. It's just like a full send up of of all pirate canon. Uh, instead of sword fights, you have insult fights and you have to like learn that mini game in order to like uh, finish the entire game. Uh, Sierra, who made King's Quest, which is a sort of more traditional like fantasy adventure game series that they made like a million of uh they would go on to keep making quest games basically they made space quest like five of those uh police quest they would eventually go on to make an rpg adventure game series called quest for glory which is probably my favorite uh adventure series ever what was neat about those games is they were just like other point and click adventure games except you picked a class at the beginning and you had stats sort of like in D or whatever and the solutions to the puzzles would change depending on what class you were playing. So if you were playing the game as a thief, you would do completely different stuff to, to solve the puzzles. So it wasn't like Monkey Island where oh. it was like pick up the rubber chicken and use it on this. It would be like, oh, I'm going to use sneaking here to like go in here or I'll fight with my fighter or magic as a magic user. What was also really cool about those games is that you could save your character after you finished one game and import them into the next one. So you could have the same character throughout all five of the Quest for Glory games, which was so incredibly cool. Uh, I started playing these games uh, probably when I was like seven years old or so. And then I was able to sort of like keep my same character going throughout the whole. How would that work? Floppy disk. You would save it to a floppy disk. And so whenever you loaded up game, you could import Right off the floppy disk. Okay, I was, was going to say, like, that sounds like a web-based thing, but I know that couldn't have been true. Yeah, no, that, that's way ahead of their time. Yeah. Despite the fact that they were called Sierra Online was the name of the... I don't know. They didn't have, inter- they didn't have internet <laughs> in these things. Yeah. Um, so Sierra and LucasArts were sort of the two big players in the space. Uh, but other games came along and sort of broke the mold, like Myst. Uh, there were also a lot of Myst games. Uh, Riven was uh, a, a very good one that was also kind of uh, creepy. It was like Mist, except sometimes you'd be walking around and then you'd turn a corner and there'd just be a little ghost boy there. Ooh, <laughs> spooky stuff. Uh, and then, of course, there were like full motion video adventure games, yeah. uh, which were all pretty universally terrible. Um, don't tell Justin I said that. Uh, <laughs> I, I I have so much fondness for these games, partially because of like, you know, they really were the only sorts of games that were coming out on the PC for a long time. And they were the only types of games that we had. And so I, I have a lot of nostalgia for them for that reason. I just remembered one. What? 
the seventh guest. The seventh guest, absolutely. Yeah. The seventh guest. Yeah, seventh guest fucking rules. When you said little ghost boy, like <laughs> I think they're remaking seventh guest. Or maybe oh, yeah? it just came out. Yeah, I think so. Um so uh I th- these games like they weren't just like the only games coming out. They were also like vast in comparison to like other other games like a like a Wolfenstein, right? Like Wolfenstein, not much for story or really any writing or any character development or anything along those lines, you could get that with adventure games. And so that was just eye-opening for for me. Somebody who, you know, had been playing video games my whole life uh, as as a child, getting to play a game and being like, whoa, actually this story I'm like vibing with or this joke in Day of the Tentacle like actually made me laugh really loud. And I didn't know video games could do that. Yeah. But like I said, Graphics got better. Processing became, uh, you know, stronger. Yeah. First-person shooters became every game uh, and, and other sort of action games. And so uh, pretty much around the turn of the century, uh, adventure games just sort of died off completely. Uh, in 2004, there was a company called Telltale Games, which tried to revive Sam and Max and some of those old series. Uh, then they started to do adventure game adaptations of sort of niche franchises uh they did the walking dead game didn't they so yeah in 2012 they had this huge smash hit with the walking dead which they made i think a few seasons of uh telltale was unique in that they would make adventure game seasons so you would play like a two or three hour long chunk that would be like episode one of like a five-part season uh and we adored those games yeah we played the hell out of those uh i looking back on sort of the walking dead media property as a whole i think i like those better than the tv or comic or 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 anything else that really came out of those uh because they were gritty as hell and uh fascinating and presented sort of moral dilemmas that were very uh thoughtful and and unique and uh really like great for same screen sort of like multiplayer like you're watching an interactive movie which is kind of like the the height of what this uh genre could do unfortunately telltale uh had a huge success with walking dead they did a bunch of other like really great um adventure game adaptations but unfortunately they like expanded way too far way too fast they overstaffed like a ridiculous degree and took on all of these different um like licensing deals to like make a a game of thrones one and make a x y or z one and uh they shut down in like 2018 mm. uh because they just sort of uh they they bloated a little too fast um so now point and click adventure games are like i said sort of the indie game uh territory and they're doing like incredibly interesting stuff with them there's stuff like uh there is no game which we actually watched a video i believe of lanky box playing with henry yeah (laughs) yeah uh, which is very very good uh or curse of the golden idol is one that came out last year that i really liked um they're keeping the spirit alive of of adventure games and sort of innovating them in, in in cool new ways but like like I talked about in sort of the uh, character-based rhythm game segment I did a, a few weeks ago, like th- there will never be another time like the 80s and 90s for adventure games or for any genre of game ever uh, again, because, you know, the, the I, right now I have Steam open on my computer. I could click on three buttons and play any of like 50,000 games yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I have, like I said, a lot of nostalgia for, for point and click adventure games and I will still go back and replay, you know, quest for glory or some of those old ones. Um, because once you know, like what to use the rubber chicken on, you can pretty much burn through those games in like 30 minutes or so. 
Can I tell you what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Hemlock says, my small wonder is farmer's market vendors recognizing me. I go to my town farmer's market every week, and the vendor who sells cheese recognizes me now. It makes me feel so cool and like I'm in a little video game, and our friendship level has increased. Did that ever happen to us? Um, there, Yes. At uh, the Austin farmer's market, we used to get ginger beer from the same vendor, and there was a woman there. Who, because the ginger beer vendor, you could bring your old bottle of yeah, ginger yeah, beer yeah. back. She would, she would be like, it's more of this, more of the same, Mister McElroy. She didn't know me, by <laughs> yeah. but there was a flash of recognition yeah. in her face whenever she saw us. Yeah, we used to go almost every weekend, and we would get like the same five things. Yeah, and I don't remember there anyone ever being like the usual. There was a uh, like a Thai meal kit place yeah. too. And they did they, would, they remember would, us? They would, I remember one time I walked up and they're like, "What did you think of that? You know, Tom Ka soup?" And I. You know, say oh, like, that's well, nice. It was very, very good. Um, Chris says, My small wonder is shirts without physical tags. They don't irritate your skin, and you don't have to try to cut them only to have them sharp and itchy or end up cutting the shirt. Bonus points if they have a printed graphic on the inside of the shirt, all the useful material and washing information with none of the irritation. Yes. This Do is that. like almost the only kind of shirt I will buy for our children. Yeah. Just because I remember that sensation as a kid the of worst. like, the, for whatever reason, in children's clothes, the tags were always like, they would jut straight out. And there would be like six of them. <laughs> Yeah. It was like a mattress situation yeah. inside of there. Um, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for these for our theme song, uh, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows that they have there and uh, download them all. Download every episode 10 times. And, oh, Camelites is coming up. Yeah, but before that, Till Death Do Us Blart. Oh, shit. That's right. This I don't is, know why I'm saying is, no shit. I already had to watch the movie. This and is going to come out the day before. For those That's of you right. that don't know, uh, every American Thanksgiving, they release this podcast. Uh, and it is a delight. Yes, this is our ninth year uh, of yeah. watching Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 with our friends Tim and Guy from uh, The Worst Idea of All Time. Um, and, uh, well, the ninth viewing of Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 <laughs> is when you really start to unlock a lot of stuff. <laughs> Um, and then Candle Nights, of and course. And then Candle Nights is, is uh, coming in uh, December. You can find a uh, link to tickets for that at McElroy.Family. As always, uh, proceeds for that show. Uh, it's, a, it's a virtual live holiday spectacular. Not live. A virtual holiday spectacular. Uh, we'll go to Benefit Harmony House in, in Huntington, uh, an organization we adore. And um, we have other merch and stuff over at McElroyMerch.com. So why don't you go check that out, too? There's some great Blart merch, actually, on there. If, uh, I saw if that. So um, that's it. I have to go right now because I have an appointment to get to. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Namaste. Namaste. As always, like we say at the end of every show, namaste. Namaste. And, um, and also with you. <laughs> exactly. Sort of mixing my... <laughs> Spiritual. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.